right? So this, this new series we're starting, and, and you've probably taken advice, and you know advice, and, and you might have trouble still with advice. But we're starting this series called Awful Advice, and the tagline is this, is it sounds good, but is it? And you, we will look over the next few weeks of advice that you've heard or you have been given. And it's common advice that the world seems to give. And it sounds good, but really, is it? So I want to talk to you today about one advice. And this advice you've heard many times. You may have even said it to your children. You may have even said it to somebody else. But here's the, the awful advice that we give, what I think we give, is this. The awful advice is, Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Right? Now think about that. Your heart is all over the place. Right? It is all over the place. So think about this. So if someone says to you, follow your heart, then that insinuates that you're lost. That you're lost in life. So if I'm lost in life, then what I need to do is I need to follow my heart. So there's this internal thing or compass with inside of us that people say, that you are lost, and since you're lost, there's this compass within inside of you, and it's going to point you in the right direction. It's called your heart. And here's the reality is culture reinforces this, doesn't it? Culture reinforces, hey, you need to follow your heart, that you need to do what you feel is best for you. And as culture reinforces it, here's what the underlying thing that they're saying to you. You need to be happy. You need to be happy, right? It doesn't matter in life what happens. We want you to be happy. So there's ups, there's downs, there's twists and turns. But what's the most important thing for you? To be happy. It's all about your happiness. And so that's why they say, follow your heart. And most people end up in in these places and they make decisions that really are they happy. Are they really happy with life? And so culture reinforces it, and we tend to follow, follow our, our, our hearts. But think about this. So if the true thing is happiness, why is it that people, when they follow their heart, always necessarily aren't happy? How come when people begin to follow their hearts, what happens is, is they make decisions that are detrimental to their lives? And they end up in places where they thought they'd be happy, but they're really not. So what I mean by that is, think about this. When, when someone asks you and they're so concerned about your happiness, they say, hey, what do you do? How are you doing? And what's the next thing they say to you? Are you happy? Right? Are you happy in your marriage? Are you happy in your job? Are you happy in your relationships? Are you happy at school? Are you happy, period? And if we're not happy, what do we do? We try to change the story and try to change the narrative of our life. And so some people, they follow their hearts and they begin to say, well, I'm not happy. So they begin to follow their hearts, follow their emotions to what they believe is going to end up the goal of happiness. And when they follow that, all of a sudden they realize they make decisions that are detrimental to their life. And so they think if I'm supposed to be happy and I'm not happy in my marriage and I'm not happy in my school and I'm not happy in my job or my friendships or relationships, then here's what I got to do. I got to quit or I got to give up. So I'm going to quit my job because there's another job out there that will make me more money and make me happy. And my marriage isn't happy, but there's somebody out there that's going to make me happy. So I'm going to run out on my kids and my wife or my husband because I need to be happy. But are they truly happy? 
See, if you follow the advice of follow your heart, sure, that sounds liberating and it sounds great. But chances are you've met somebody who has come to the place who's followed their heart. And chances are you've seen them and they're just as miserable as they were before they followed their heart. So the question is, is there a way to live differently? And I believe there is a way to live differently. I don't believe that culture needs to reinforce this and tell you what to do and you have to follow your heart because I don't think you're lost. And if you are lost, you don't need to follow, excuse me, you don't need to follow your heart. You need to follow a different direction. So today, here's what I want you to get. What I want you to understand and a new way of living and a new way of thought is this. It's not about following your heart, but about God's heart. It's not about following your heart. It's about following God's heart. Now, think about this for a second. When I say this, think about your heart. Your heart has tendencies that is all over the map. It is one minute over here, one minute over here, one minute over here, and it, internally it's kind of telling you what to do. And But really think about your heart. Your heart has, if you really think about it, it has told you to do some things and it has told you to say some things that you don't want to repeat. And your heart has told you some things that you're not proud of by any means. See, when you look at your heart, your heart is by nature not generous. Your heart is selfish. And your heart wants to do what it wants to do. And see, here's what your heart tells you. It tells you that you're the best. Look at the best in you and look at the worst in others. It also tells you if those people don't like you, then there's something wrong with them. And it takes a horrible thought and an immoral thought and it makes it attractive and appeasing to you. That's what your heart does. See, the Bible says you can't follow your heart. Why can't you follow your heart? Because your heart is diseased. Your heart has a problem. And this guy by the name of Jeremiah, he said this, and we'll get to this, but Jeremiah was a prophet who began to speak to the nation of Israel. And Israel was broken down into the top nation and the bottom nation when Solomon, if you heard of King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, once he died, the nation kind of split. So they have Israel at the top and Judah at the bottom. And Jeremiah at the time was a prophet. He was telling people in Judah what God was telling them. And in the middle of Jeremiah, in the middle of his book and his writings, he writes about the heart and why the heart is not supposed to be followed. So in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, and it, and it says this, um, it says, um, verse 17, verse 9, let me get there. It says that the heart is deceitful above all things. And what? It's beyond cure. So who can understand it? So the heart is deceitful. And the idea of deceit here is it's toward the human thought and the human feelings. And in Hebrew... The, the way they saw it metaphorically is your heart, what your heart possesses, it possesses your will, it possesses your, your, your emotions, and it possesses your motivation. Now, that's not true in our Western thought, is it? 
So the Hebrew thought is that possesses everything in your heart. Here's what we think that the heart possesses. It's the center of our emotions. So is it any wonder why if you're lost or if you're looking for happiness that you would end up following the center of your emotions? Because if my goal is to be happy, then why wouldn't I follow my heart? But here's what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah says it's not that easy. And Jeremiah would say, yeah, it's horrible that your, your heart is deceitful, that it is crooked by nature, and that you can't trust your heart, let alone follow your heart. He says that the heart has been searched, it has been uh, diagnosed, and it is deceptive. Right? So your heart has been searched, it has been diagnosed, and it's been deceptive. Now here's why. Think about this. Your heart lies to you. No one else in the world lies to you as much as your heart. Nobody. Right? Because your heart does what your heart wants it to do. It is focused on itself. Now think of it in terms of this. Right? If, if you have a compass, right? And you always have a compass. And if you get lost, what does the compass do? It always points you to the true north. Right? Guess what? Your heart doesn't do that. Your heart is completely opposite. Your heart never points you in the right direction. It points to what it wants you to feel, what it wants you to do. And most of the time, it's like I said, it's selfish desires. Our heart is not a good guide by any stretch of the means. Here's how I would equate your heart. Have you ever seen the movie Tangled? Right? And the mom, and the mom is like trying to say, oh no, you know, I don't want, I don't want, uh, uh, the daughter to, to go anywhere and she's not supposed to be. She hides her in that little uh, house and away from society. And what does she say? Mother knows best. Right? And she she's the, the guy that says, oh, mom knows best. But really, what is it about? It's mom knows best because mom is best for mom. And if you think about it, that's the way our heart is. Our heart thinks we know what's best, but what it really is saying is it's, it's what's best for us what is best for itself. See, your heart is a pathological liar. It's a pathological liar that tells you what you think you want it to hear, but it directs you in the wrong direction. And here's what your heart does. It distorts every dream, every person, every joy, and every wonder, and every beauty. Your heart distorts that. And that's why Jeremiah says it's not so simple. Because your heart is deceitful and deceptive and diseased beyond all cure. Now, here's the reality. There's a path. There's a path to blessing and there's a path to cursing. And if you think there's a path to blessing and there's a path to cursing, why would anyone choose to go on the path of cursing? Why would anyone choose the path of sin? Well, the reason why people choose the path of sin is why? It's their heart. The reason why we choose the path of sin is because we follow our crooked, deceitful heart. And Jeremiah says it's real simple. The reason why you go down this path is because what it's telling you, you think it's true. And it's telling you this so you begin to line yourself up and you begin to walk down that. And he says, really, it's not that simple. And he would say, look, the next question he says is what? Who can understand it? Who can understand the heart? Well, he gives a rhetorical question. We all know that you can't understand the heart, right? None of us can understand our heart. But who understands our heart? He says the Lord does. 
because the heart and the mind are hidden, but the Lord knows them perfectly, and he searches them perfectly. So even though your heart is deceitful, he says, look, God understands it. God knows what it's like. He knows the character. He goes below the surface and sees what's in really inside your character and what is down deep within the nooks and crannies of your heart and in your life. And he says, it is evil. And that's why he says, I'm going to search it and I'm going to do something about it. See, see, if you begin to follow the heart of God, you begin to follow what he has for you, your life becomes less problematic. So what are you supposed to do? If I don't follow the heart and you're saying follow the heart of God, then what are we supposed to do? It's real easy. It's, it's, you probably heard this verse many times. If you grew up in church, you've heard this many times. It's, a, it's one of the most famous verses in, in Proverbs, and it's out of chapter 3. And so if we're not supposed to trust our heart or follow our heart, then what do we do when we're following God's heart? Well, what is God's heart like? And here's what it says in verse chapter 3 of verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And it says, lean not on your own understanding. So you trust the Lord with all of your heart, not with some, not with a piece, not with half, not with a quarter, with all your heart. And what he's saying is you trust God because you trust in his ways, because his ways are better than your ways. His heart is not selfish like your heart. That you can trust the Lord with all your heart that he's going to direct you where you need to go. That your mind heart, are dis- we are diseased, we're incurable. But we don't trust that, we trust the heart of God. So we, we trust the Lord with all of our heart. And then here's what he says. He says, and lean not, right, on your own understanding. And this idea of leaning is this, is that you rely on just human wisdom and human insight. And human wisdom and human insight is not enough. It's just not enough. Someone tells you, hey, you need to do this or you need to go this way. It's just not enough. See, leaning in that direction is not because a person can have all the wisdom in the world, but it never can replace. It never can replace the trust in the, in the God's superior ways. See, we are dependent for direction. We're dependent for wisdom, we're dependent on everything for God. Because by ourselves, we are corrupt. We are evil. We're wrong. But with God, we're not. And he says we're dependent on Him. So not lean on, on that, but not lean on someone who, can, who tells you and gives you wisdom and insight. No, you lean on what the Lord has and the guidance He has for you. And so He says trust. And He says trust and lean. And here's what trust and lean means, okay? As He says trust and He says lean, He says this, that when you trust and you lean, you're totally reliant on someone or something else. That they're, you're total dependent on someone or something else. So let me just show you where's where to go. Okay, so look at the stool. Let me just show you. All right, so I have this chair. Think about if I I can I can trust and lean on this chair. And let's say this is God. Okay. Let's say this is God and, and what the writer's saying to trust and lean on God. And, and here's what we tend to do with God. You know, Lord, I, I really want some wisdom. I really want some guidance, and I'm just going to kind of lean on you. Now, is this chair kind of holding me up? I mean, kind of. If you kicked it out, I could still stable, right? But I, I, I'm just asking God, you know, I, I'm really trusting myself. I'm just kind of leaning on it. Now, the other thing is I can sit on this chair, and I can say, okay, God, I, I trust you, 
and I want you to do something and I want guidance and I want direction. But if you pulled the chair under me, what's going to happen? I'm still going to be fine because even without the chair, I can still sit like this. Right? My feet are holding me up. But what the idea of trust is, the trust is this, that I get put my full weight and my full trust and full lean into God. See, because right now, if you kick the chair out from me, I'd fall. Because all my weight and everything I have and everything I'm trusting in is on this chair. And see, a lot of us, we go through life and we think that, you know, what happens is, is when we, 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 we encounter a circumstance that is difficult and we say, trust God. And so we go, yeah, Lord, I'm just, yeah, trust you. But really we're trusting our own self and we're trying to get ourselves out of the own, the problem. We're trying to fix it ourselves. So we just kind of lean. And then sometimes like, Lord, yeah, yeah, I'm really troubled. And yeah, Lord, I'll put a little bit more weight on you and I'll trust you a little bit more. But what's going to happen? I, I, I still can, I'm still okay. See, uh, most of us, it's hard for us to get to a place where we fully reliant on him. See, a lot of us do that. And so what we're doing is and when we lean this way or, or we go this way, what ends up happening is we don't put our full trust in God. You know what we're doing? We full, put our full trust in ourselves. And instead of following God's heart and God's direction and God's wisdom, we still begin to follow our ways and our desires and our hearts because we think we can figure this out. And he's saying that's not the case. And then he would go on. See, to fully trust God, there's a little bit more. You, you have to definitely just put all your weight, so to speak, on him. But here's the other thing. To fully trust him, it says in verse 6, it says this, In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths what? Straight. Submit. To come under authority. To come under authority of someone. A general. A boss. A parent. You're obedient to them. Right, You're submissive to what they're telling you. You're submissive to their direction. He says, if you want to fully trust me and not follow your heart and follow what I have that is best for you, then you have to submit to me and submit to my authority for your life. In another uh, uh, scripture, it says acknowledge, that you must acknowledge him. And acknowledge means that you must search his will and know his will and know him. Now, when you think of acknowledge, now think about this. When you go on a website and you're starting to buy something, and all of a sudden what, what ends up happening is what? As soon as you start to buy, it says check that you're not a robot, or it says agree to our terms and service, right? Now, let's just be honest. How many of us really read the terms of service? We don't, do we? Because we are quick microwave culture. We want to just get through. And so what we do is we just go click, boom, done, right? We acknowledge, but we say we acknowledge the terms of service, but we just really have never even looked at it. Now think about it this. If you're a kid, your parents tell you this. Did you acknowledge what I just said to you? Right? Because parents, what we want our kids to do is understand, hey, I have a direction. I just said something to you. Did you hear me? And most of the time, the kids, you know, sometimes they acknowledge and they say yes. Sometimes they just kind of give you a nod and sometimes they grunt at you. But do you really know if they acknowledge you or not? No, it depends if they're going to do what they need to do. Now, here's the thing. We are like that when it comes to God. We check the box 
We know what to do, but we just check the box, but really don't do it. He tells us what to do, and we kind of give him a nod and kind of continue to go on our way and follow our hearts. See, God doesn't want a nod of acknowledgement. He doesn't want a check in the box. He wants you to know him in intimately way. He wants you to have intimate knowledge of him. And how you have intimate knowledge with him is you begin to pursue him on a daily basis. See, you can't know what God requires or what his heart is like or the direction he wants to take you if you're not communicating to him. If you're not having a daily pursuit of, of intimacy with your heavenly father, if you're not seeking after his will. And see, here's what it says. If you submit, if you acknowledge, not with just a check or just a nod, but you're saying, God, I'm going to pursue you 100% each and every day. I'm going to know your voice. I'm going to listen to your voice. And I'm going to go in that direction. Here's what he says. He says this, that he will make your path straight. That what seems clouded will now come clear. See, when you need direction, you don't lean, lean into somebody else. You don't lean into what you know. You lean into what God is telling you. You lean into what his ways are, his direction, his guidance. And it says what? When he says your paths are clear, what God does is he removes the obstacles out of your life. Do you know that? Because there's probably things that are clouding and probably clouding your judgment. And you don't know which way to go. God just removes things. See, it says when you seek the kingdom of God, he says then he adds things to your life. He takes away those things and he adds things. And so what God does is he wants to take your life and say, would you submit? Would you acknowledge me? Would you do what you need to do? Would you trust me completely? And I'll remove and the path will become clear where I want you to go. And you'll end up in the the complete destination that he has for your life. And you won't regret it. Just think about this. Right? Just because something sounds good, doesn't mean it is. Just because something sounds good doesn't mean it is. Think about this. Have you ever heard this term? Fight fire with fire. Yeah, that's real good, isn't it? Basically what it's saying is get revenge on the person who just did something wrong to you. I don't know anybody who who thinks, a parent or anybody that thinks revenge is right. Fight fire with fire. And the reality is, is follow your heart is awful advice. It might sound good and it might sound that you need to be happy but the chances are, is you're going to end up in a destination that you are not going to be proud of. And you're going to end up in a goal and a direction that you don't want to be in. And trust me, you're going to be more miserable than you were if you would have just stayed where you were. But when I talk about happiness, here's what the pushback is. And here's where kind of people get at. They go, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? Doesn't God want to be happy? And here's the other thing that people say. Well, God wants me to be happy. Won't he give me the desires of my heart? Well, let me just tell you this. Sometimes we come to God and we say, we look at that verse, and it's in Psalm 37, and we think, okay, well, God wants to give us the desires of our heart. And we think that God magically will just do something. That God's magically a genie. Okay, yeah, yeah, you just, yeah, I'll give you whatever you want. It's like we don't have to do anything. That's not how the Bible works. That's not how God works. See, sometimes God has conditions on his promises that you actually have to do something. That God just says, automatically, you clap your hands and he's going to do what he needs to do. That's not how it works. Because if you look at the Ten Commandments, 
Do you know the Ten Commandments, in one of the Ten Commandments, there is a promise that is adjoined with one of the Ten Commandments. It says, if you do this, then this will happen. And he's talking to children. And when he talks about the Ten Commandments, he says what? If you honor your father and mother, if you respect your mom and dad, what does he say? Then it'll be, it will go well with you, and you will have long life, and you will enjoy the land. But look, if I don't obey my parents, it's not going to go well with me, even at 43. See, there's a condition. It's not that magically God's going to give me a good life. No, I have, I have to do something. And see, we think that all of a sudden that God's going to give the desires of my heart because they're really good. I don't have to do anything. He says no, because in the beginning of that verse, he says this. He says, take delight in the Lord. If you don't take delight in the Lord, then he will not give you the desires of your heart. If you do not, in another translation, it says, commit your ways to the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you don't commit your ways, if you don't take delight in who he is and have a relationship with your heavenly father, he's not going to magically just, yeah, I'll give you the desires of your heart. And guess what? God's not just going to give you whatever it is because look, your heart is inherently evil. So that's why God wants you to come and commit your ways and delight in him so he can give you what he wants for your life. See, the desires that God's going to give you are ultimately going to line up with his goal and his purposes and his plans for your life. And see, what you think is good is not what God thinks is good. And so when you commit your ways and you acknowledge him and you come over and take delight in him, God's going to say, here's what I have for you. And it's going to line up with his goal line up with his destination, line up with his guidance, line up with everything you need to be satisfied in life. So, where do we go from here? Here's two things you need to do, okay? First one is this. Today, what I want you to do is identify where your heart is leading you. Because my heart is inherently evil, and yours is too, and it deceives us each and every day. So, in order to follow God's heart, you need to identify Where is your heart leading you? And for some of you today, your heart might be leading you into somewhere where it doesn't need to go. And maybe it's companionship. Maybe you're just looking for companionship, but really deep down inside, you know what you're trying to satisfy is loneliness. And maybe you're looking to buy something or finance something, and you feel like if I buy this or if I I finance this, then guess what? I'm going to be satisfied. And some of you are staring at a fork in the road and you can go this way or you can go that way and you don't know which way it is to go. And you want to make the right decision. But your heart is leading you and you know inherently your heart, if you follow your heart, it's going to go down the path you don't want it to go. So you need to identify where your heart is leading you. And the second thing is this, is when you identify where your heart is leading you, you know what you do? You need to stop and talk to God first. Stop and talk to God first. Say, hey God, is this what you have for my life? Lord, I need help in here. Lord, I want to make the right decision. So Lord, I'm not going to anybody else. I'm coming to you first. And Lord, is this something that I need to go into? Is this a relationship I need to pursue? Is this something I need to get into? Is this the direction I need to go with my life? Because Lord, ultimately, my goal and my life is yours. So God, which path and which direction do you want me to go? And I'll tell you what, he will speak to you. 
God will speak to you. And if you're having trouble with God speaking to you, here's what I suggest. I suggest this, to begin to pursue him daily. See, the reason why my kids know my voice is because they talk to me daily. My kids know when I'm serious. They know when I'm joking. They know when I'm angry. Because they talk to me. They understand. Yeah, they can see me, but the, the reality is if we're talking on the phone, they will know if I'm mad or not. They'll know if I'm happy or not because they communicate with me on a daily basis. If you want to know your Heavenly Father's voice, you have to communicate daily. You can't just do it when you want to do it. It doesn't work like that. And to know Him intimately, you've got to know His voice. And here's the other thing. God will speak to you through that and through His Word, but God will also speak to you this way, through other people. God gives you wisdom and he speaks to you through other people. So if you're looking for the direction that God wants you to do, it'll line up with his word. He'll speak to you and he'll speak to someone that you trust and they will give you good godly advice, not just anybody. So here's the question I want to ask you today as we wrap up. The question is this, what would it look like if you began to follow the heart of God and not your own? What would it look like if you began to follow the heart of God? Because here's the reality. Following our hearts leads to brokenness. We have dated someone. We have bought something. We have gotten to a relationship, a friendship. We have gone down a path that we wish we would never have gone. And what happens is, is when we followed our hearts, it equates to broken hearts. You know what broken hearts equate to? Regrets. And I can tell you this. Nobody wants to live a life of regrets. And some of us want to put our past behind. And I'm telling you this, if you are a kid in here, if you're a student in here, if you're a child in here, I'll tell you what, if you ask any adult in here today that said they wish they would not have followed their heart, they would say, absolutely, because I got down to a path and I got down to a road that I wish I would have never gotten to. And they would be sincere with you and say, get this right. Don't follow everybody else and don't follow your heart. Follow God's because you will not live a life of regrets. So I want you to understand that, that God wants to do something. And here's what God wants to do in your life today. We're going to stand. We're going to sing in just a second. But I want you to commit your heart to the Lord. Say, God, it's, it's yours. I surrender my heart. I surrender my life. I surrender you. And it doesn't matter. This is not an age thing. Because he doesn't say, hey, at, at 20, your heart is deceitful. And at 40, your heart's deceitful. And 60, it's deceitful. And at 80, it's deceitful. And at 100, it's deceitful. It doesn't matter what age it is, it's deceitful. And God wants to do something today in your life and in your heart. Because I can tell you this, if I don't follow God's heart, I begin to go down a path I don't want to go down. And it's the same, if it's true of me, it's true of you. And God wants to begin to do a heart change in your life. He wants to do surgery today. So I want you to surrender your heart and allow him to speak to you today so that you will follow him all the days of your life and not your emotions and not what you want. So let's pray. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to give time for the Holy Spirit to work here. Let him speak to you. And again, the sign of surrender, I say it every week, the sign of surrender is your hands up. And maybe you just need to say, God, I, you know, Lord, I just... I need to give you my heart. So can we just turn the lights off? Let's just give a minute here. And let the Holy Spirit speak. Let the Holy Spirit touch you. Again, because God's design is not for you to do what you want to do. You know, like we said last week, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, God wants to do something in and through your life.
and he wants to do something good. So let's just give a moment. come before you now and here's what I ask Lord there's some of us who our hearts need to be right and you're touching us and you're speaking to us right now and for the individual Lord who has kind of turned you off because Lord there's a lot of pain there's a lot of pain in their hearts and they seemingly have been misrepresented Lord or they misunderstand the heart of God and there's been some circumstance, and I don't know what it is, Lord, but here's what I do know, that there's so much pain that they feel like they're better off following their own hearts than the heart of God. So right now, for that individual in this room, would you speak to them? Sin is leading to destruction. But God, you have a plan and a purpose for this individual, Lord, a plan and a purpose to restore them, to use them, to bring about the best, Lord. And right now, your word says that you have come to heal the brokenhearted. So, Lord, as an individual or persons in this room, Lord, where their heart is broken and they can't follow yours because of the hurt, would you take those pieces and put it back together? And would you begin to have them understand the heart of God, the compassion, the mercy, the love, the grace that you so freely give? Lord, and I also pray for the re- some of us in here as well. God, we inherently know what is right. But Lord, we're choosing to go our own way and our own path. And Lord, we've chosen that path of sin. And we come into church and Lord, we think that we come in here and we can get cleaned up. And then we can go back out there and do what we need to do again. Lord, that's not how it works. It's not what you want for our lives. So, Lord, I pray for those individuals in here, Lord, that need to follow your heart, Lord, and they're following the path of sin. Would you get them back to the place where they need to follow you? Lord, would you speak to us? Would you draw us back, Lord, because it says you're the good shepherd and you care about the sheep. And, Lord, you guide and you direct us and you move. So, Lord, would you bring us back to those who are going on a different path? Would you bring us back to the path of righteousness? Like Psalm 23 says, that good, surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives because we're walking in the path of God. And Lord, I pray for those of us in here who are struggling. 
Lord, we're struggling to follow our hearts because that's what all our friends are doing. That's what all our coworkers are doing. And it's gotten us this far. But Lord, deep down inside, we know we're miserable. And Lord, would you come and invade us? And Lord, would you just begin to work in our hearts that we wouldn't have the mind, the heart of, heart of you. And I also ask, Lord, this, that the word says that would you search me and know me, O God? Would you see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting God? So today, as we pour our hearts out to you, as we come and we say, God, here is our hearts. Here is who we are. Would you see what we're doing? Would you deep down search us, Lord, and may we walk in the goodness of God. May we just begin to not follow what culture says, not follow what our friend says, not follow what our fellow man says, but follow what you have. So God, as we struggle with this, Lord, would you help us and pull us into your direction, into your ways, into your plans, into your purposes. And Lord, we commit our ways to you so Lord, we can receive the desires that you have for us. Today, Lord, we walk in this We walk in goodness. And Lord, would you just do a miraculous work in our lives today. And today, Lord, it starts from the inside out. So God, as we begin to to go through this series, Lord, may you just continue to work us. May you continue to stretch us. May you continue to do surgery, Lord, on us. Because, Lord, the goal is, like we said last week with the Holy Spirit, is to make you more and more like Jesus Christ. And that's what we want. So, Holy Spirit, as we lift our hands, as we surrender, May you make us different today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We pray these things. Amen.